Book Three, Chapter One of Strangers and Pilgrims by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Strangers and Pilgrims, Book Three, Chapter One. I am weary of my part. My torch is out, and the world stands before me like a black desert. Thrice has the corn ripened on the hillsides and in the valleys around Hawley. Thrice have come and gone all the pleasant sights and sweet sounds of summer. Dog-roses blooming out their bright, brief life in the tangled hedgerows, honeysuckle scenting the mild air of early autumn, and lingering late as if loath to leave the earth it adorned. Thrice have come the snows and rains and general discomforts of winter, the conventional jovialities of Christmas, church decorations, charity dinners, infant school festivities, the annual cakes and ale, the slow passing Lent, while the chilly new-fledged spring flutters its weak wings timidly, like a tender bird too soon expelled from its nest into a bleak world. All the seasons, with their unvarying duties, the same things to be done over and over again every year, have come and gone three times, and still Gertrude trudges to and fro among her poor, scattering leaflets of consolation in the shape of small grey paper-covered tracts, and still Diana embroiders a little and sketches a little, and yawns and indulges her constitutional headache a great deal, and laments languidly that the Lutterals are not a particularly fortunate family, and still Blanche, the pert and lively, demands of the unanswering skies when Providence is going to do something for the Lutterals. There have been changes, however, at Hawley. One a dismal change from the warmth and brightness of a comfortable, easy-going life to the darkness and blankness of the grave. That good, easy man, Wilmot Lutterall, has slipped out of existence almost as easily as he slipped through it. His daughters found him in his study one dark November morning two years ago, stricken with paralysis and a partial death from which he was never to recover. He lingered long in this doubtful state, helpless, patient, mild as he had ever been, was tenderly nursed by the four girls, who had at least agreed in loving their father dearly at the last, had lingered and been conscious of their love and care, until a second stroke made all a blank. From this he never recovered, but expired in that dull sleep, unconscious of the end, so closing a life which had been as gentle and harmless as a child's. This loss, a profound affliction itself, was made all the heavier by the fact that it left the four girls a difficult problem to solve in the one all-important question how they were to live. The entire fortune which their father left behind him amounted to about three hundred a year, exclusive of the vicarage furniture, which in its decrepitude and shabbiness may have been worth something less than a hundred pounds, and the vicarage plate worth a hundred more. With this income and these belongings, the girls had to begin life for themselves. Aunt Chevenny came to the rescue with an offer of a hundred a year from her own purse, and advised that Elizabeth should come to live with her, and the three other girls go abroad somewhere, say Brussels or the south of France, where they could live genteelly and improve their minds, 
thereby escaping the loss of caste involved in any alteration of their style of living at hawley but to this they all objected elizabeth thanked her aunt for the offer of a home in eaton place but preferred to remain where she was you'd soon grow tired of me she wrote when you discover how dreary a companion i am now and forgive me for saying it auntie but your house was unlucky to me i could not re-enter it without a feeling of horror gertrude expressed her gratitude somewhat stiffly declined to enter the idea of lifelong banishment for the sake of gentility hoped that she could more profitably improve her mind by the performance of her duties at hawley than by the cultivation of any new accomplishments at brussels or lyons was not ashamed of any diminution of style or luxury which their altered circumstances might call for thanked heaven she could live as contentedly beneath the humblest roof as beneath the loftiest and father informed her aunt that with the consent of her sisters she had decided on taking one of the small semi-detached villas with bay windows and nice little gardens in the borough bridge road the furniture from the vicarage such of it as was adapted to this new abode they would retain also the tea-kettle which was so touching a memorial of all they had lost mrs chevenix shuddered as she read these two letters her nieces in a semi-detached villa at thirty-five pounds a year in a row of other semi-detached villas of the same pattern what a change from the fine old vicarage with its ins and outs and ups and downs sunny bow-windows magnolia and myrtle shrouded walls its quaint old tower everlasting memorial of ancient splendour its wide flower-garden and grassy orchard sloping to the setting sun what a change and gertrude wrote of it as coolly as if it were nothing i think my poor brother might have left me the tea-kettle thought mrs chevenix it would have been very useful for afternoon tea and it would have gone back to the girls afterwards she pondered upon elizabeth's letter with a deep sigh yes she said it is nothing but the truth the girl is sadly changed i hardly know if i should be able to do anything for her now all her animation is gone and she's acquired a proud reserved manner that would repel any one who was ever so much inclined to admire her she's handsome still but she certainly has contrived to render herself as unattractive as it is possible for a handsome young woman to be did ever any girl throw away such chances as she has had this meditation was the result of a retrospective glance at affairs during mrs chevenix's last visit to hawley in the autumn before her brother's death lord paulyn had been at ashcombe during that time and had come frequently to the vicarage and done his best to renew his old intimacy with elizabeth luttrell but to all these friendly endeavours the girl had opposed a dead blank wall of coldness and reserve mrs chevenix tried to gloss over this uncomfortable aspect of affairs and to convince the lover that his suit was not yet hopeless but it was in vain for the wily matron to soothe and argue the young man answered her with smothered anger there's no use in talking nonsense mrs chevenix he said she's not forgotten that parson fellow yet and i suppose she never means to forget him 
what a pity you didn't let her have her own way and go out with him and devote herself to the evangelization of south sea islanders i wish with all my heart she had gone but then i couldn't have made a fool of myself hanging about here and exposing myself to the sneers of hilda disney and my mother i cannot see that the affair is any business of miss disney's mrs chevenix remarked with some hauteur how dare that independent young person to cross the woof of her schemes miss disney has so little business of her own she's obliged to think of somebody else's replied the viscount gloomily why don't you bring her to london ma'am meaning elizabeth not miss disney you might cure her of this wretched infatuation there i suppose she has the fellow's photograph and kisses and cries over it every night she has a great deal too much self-respect for that kind of thing said mrs chevenix as if she had been inside elizabeth's brain and inspected its cellular arrangements it is possible that this suggestion of lord paulyn's may have had some influence with mrs chevenix when she offered elizabeth a permanent shelter in eaton place that offer being rejected she could only shrug her shoulders and resign herself to circumstances the luxurious ease of her own existence the scent bottle and green fan made a powerful armour against the slings and arrows of other people's bad fortune if her favourite niece preferred obscure poverty to rank and wealth she must needs indulge her humour after all it makes no real difference to me she said to herself i only lose the indirect advantage of connection with the peerage such an alliance must have given me the entree to the very best society and i feel i could have been of the greatest use to a young woman suddenly elevated to such a position but it is idle to regret the decrees of providence so mrs chevenix resigned herself to the inevitable thanked heaven that she possessed a good cook and a faultless dressmaker and went her way calmly rejoicing knowing no weariness of that unvarying round of tea-drinkings and dinner-eatings and at-homes which she called good society but she seldom omitted to search her morning-post for any small record of lord paulyn's existence that might perchance adorn its columns and she even went so far as to subscribe to a fashionable sporting newspaper which was more frequently graced by his lordship's name life seemed new and strange to elizabeth in the semi-detached villa on the boroughbridge road strange with a bitter strangeness a lofty soul should be doubtless independent of its earthly dwelling-place my mind to me a kingdom is stone walls do not a prison make nor iron bars a cage very noble sentiments in their way but not given to the common herd of humanity elizabeth's soul was not so lofty as to rise superior to the influences of her habitation she felt the change of tenement sorely felt like some lost creature in the square bandboxical rooms the prim narrow passage with its pert gas-lamp the steep straight stairs smelling of copal varnish almost as ill at ease as some wild denizen of the forest that had been shifted from the vast cavern where he roamed and rolled at large to some straitened den in a zoological garden and the vicarage furniture objects which from old association these girls loved dearly 
how mean and shabby and woebegone that poor old furniture looked in the new smart rooms with their cheap modern paper hanging and trumpery cornices and sprawling plaster roses in the centre of the ceilings the old cracked chelsea shepherd and shepherdess which had seemed the natural ornaments of the tall narrow wooden mantel-shelf in the vicarage drawing-room had the forlornest air upon the polished marble slab in the new house diana's grand piano filled the small back drawing-room the big old cane-seated sofa blocked the bay window in the front drawing-room nothing fitted into an embrasure or adapted itself to the shape of the rooms and it was only when gertrude brought that inestimable quality which she called her common sense and which blanche called her domineering way to bear upon the subject and by banishing this article and shifting the other reduced the rooms to something like order that they became simply habitable graceful or elegant or picturesque they never would be had the new tenants been able to buy bright modern furniture on a toy-shop scale they might have endued the rooms with a certain doll's house prettiness but the salvage from the vicarage looked what it was the poor remnant of departed fortune there was a room downstairs under the back drawing-room half sunk in the earth but provided with a small bay window and a sham marble mantelpiece and described by the house agent as a breakfast room this the miss luttrells made their refectory of course in a decent house it would be the housekeeper's room said blanche the day she first dined in this earthy chamber i shall always feel as if we were cheating the servants out of their natural rights by occupying it thus began their new lives everyone called upon them and admired their new abode and discussed the new vicar and sympathised and approved and consoled and gertrude pronounced with satisfaction that their social status remained firm as a rock they had two servants one an irreproachable parlour-maid who was never seen without a starched muslin apron and everything was done in the nicest manner they had a garden which might have been covered by a good-sized turkey carpet but which was laid out in the last approved style flower-beds of the tessellated pavement pattern scrolls and parallelograms and open tart designs done in plants of the house-leek and mousier tribes jam tart patterns in scarlet geranium and brown leafage lobelia and petunia after the manner of the duchess of wiltshire's parterre at the cottage near haverstock it is astonishing what great effects may be produced in the area of a turkey carpet by a young lady of gertrude luttrell's temperament there is no one more ready to make sacrifices she said complacently but whatever i have must be of the best to say that elizabeth lived in this circumscribed home would be to say too much she existed as toads have been believed to exist locked in marble or comfortably niched in a block of coal yet not so patiently as these quiescent reptiles did she bear her fate her lips were mute it is true for she had a scornful impatience of sisterly consolation but her soul complained perpetually like job she remonstrated with her maker and demanded why she was not permitted to die all the anguish of this slow dull year had not been enough even to undermine her vigorous young life there was scarcely the depression of a muscle in the firm round white arms no cavernous hollow spoiled her oval cheeks 
she was paler than of old that fugitive colour which had come and gone in such flashes of brightness two years ago was rarely seen now her eyelids had a heavy look that hinted of sleepless nights but these were all the outward changes that had been wrought by malcolm ford's abandonment and her father's death i never could have believed i loved my father so much she said to herself sadly one dismal december afternoon when she had taken a lonely walk as far as the road before the vicarage and had seen the fire-glow shining through the old-fashioned casement of her father's study she had stood for a little while looking across the lawn at that cheery glow with an aching heart a heart that seemed to ache from very emptiness my little world has vanished like a dream she thought the waters have swept over it and left me standing on a barren rock in a great pathless sea if i could only die like papa and make an end of it among those pleasing testimonies of the world's esteem which were offered to the sisters at this sad juncture was a ceremonious call from lady paulyn and hilda disney the two ladies drove over from ashcombe one afternoon in the ancient chariot conducted by a postillion who had the aspect of a farm labourer in disguise but at the same time looked more imposing than a coachman hilda had her customary air of ladylike indifference but the dowager peered and pried and expressed profoundest interest in the affairs of the four sisters and you really think of remaining in this pretty little house she said with the gracious wonder peering at them keenly from under her shaggy old eyebrows all the while and peering especially at elizabeth do you know i'm rather surprised at that i should have thought this perky old town would have been insufferable to you all after your loss and that some nice place abroad would have suited you better where you could have had a little pleasant english society in the nice inexpensive continental style bruges for instance or courtray i've heard there are english people at both those towns or dijon or some retired little german town where things are cheap i have duties and pleasures at hawley which i could never have in a roman catholic town said gertrude there seems to be a prevailing idea that transportation for life is the only remedy for our grief said elizabeth not a little contemptuously i wonder our friends don't suggest norfolk island or botany bay at once or since transportation is abolished the government ought to erect a special building at portland or dartmoor for young women who are left alone in the world the dowager vouchsafed no reply to these impertinent observations but she gave elizabeth a look from beneath those bristling penthouses which was not one of supreme affection you haven't asked after my son miss luttrell she said turning sharply upon gertrude after rather an awkward pause during which miss disney had looked straight out of the window with an absent air as if she had been assisting at a visit to cottagers in whose spiritual or temporal welfare she had no personal interest oh, i beg your pardon stammered gertrude confused by this sharp attack i hope lord paulyn is well he is very well and i hope he is on the high road to being very happy blanche having nothing particular to do and not feeling herself called upon to sustain any part in the conversation happened to be amusing herself by the contemplation of miss disney 
she saw the fair cold face flush and the thin lips contract themselves ever so little at this moment i suppose that means he's going to be married said diana if one may be allowed to hazard a guess oh, how quick you young ladies are when marriage is in question replied the dowager graciously yes i have every reason to hope that reginald has at last made up his mind to settle it will be such a happiness to me if he can only be induced to give up that horrid racing stud his place near newmarket and his dreadfully expensive stables in yorkshire but if he can't be persuaded to so wise a step he will at any rate be better able to afford to ruin himself the young lady to whom he is almost engaged is one of the richest heiresses in england she has not rank i admit but the oppression of the income tax has long since stamped out my conservative proclivities i have no prejudices miss luttrell and can appreciate the grandeur of position attained by a man who began life by wheeling barrows and could now write a cheque for a hundred thousand pounds without feeling himself any poorer when it had cleared that is what i call true nobility the barrows or the cheque-book lady paulyn asked elizabeth the upward progress from one point to the other replied the dowager with dignity i am told that mr ramsay the great contractor eats peas with his knife and is somewhat the slave of habit in the matter of not cleaning his nails but i hope i have a soul above such trivialities nothing would give me greater pleasure than to welcome mr ramsay's only child as my daughter having made this announcement and even deigned to refresh herself with macaroons and cherry brandy made two summers ago with the dear old vicarage cherries from the orchard elizabeth loved lady paulyn departed but not before she had again expressed her wonder that the miss luttrells should prefer hawley to a delightful belgian town with canals and stiff little avenues where they might pace to and fro and sit on benches unjostled by any vulgar crowd or such a place as dijon which must surely be a most agreeable town for english residents since the very name had quite a romantic sound the dowager lingered so long to discuss these points after she had risen to take her departure that it was dusk when the chariot went jingling off to the delight of the adjacent villas it was really very good of her to come said gertrude watching the departing equipage complacently from the bay window what a noise that postillion makes it is a satisfaction to let our new neighbours see we are on visiting terms with the best county people i trust i am above attaching an undue value to these things but i do not pretend to be ignorant of their influence good of her indeed cried blanche indignantly horrid old thing anybody could see she'd come to crow over lizzie wicked old she-miser i do verily believe she would like her son to marry the only daughter of beelzebub if she had plenty of money what a pity you didn't marry him when you had the opportunity and keep mamma's pearl necklace lizzie diana said with a yawn it would have been advancement for all of us and here we are screwed up for life i suppose in this poky little house instead of having the run of half a dozen splendid places 
ring for tea blanche please if it were not for the comfort of our early cup of tea i should be almost tired of life almost tired i have hardly ever ceased to be tired of it since i was seventeen exclaimed elizabeth with infinite scorn only for one brief bright summer time of love and hope she thought by way of rider to that contemptuous speech she was silent for the rest of that evening sitting idle in a shadowy corner apart while the other three clustered around the lamp diana and blanche engaged in elaborate fancy work which gave occasion for perpetual discussions about point de venise and sorrento bars gertrude absorbed in a pious biography from which she read stray passages now and then for the edification of her sisters it was not a lively evening any more than the rest of the evenings which these young women spent together in the unfamiliar drawing-room with its lingering odour of size and plaster of paris but their manner of life seemed to elizabeth just a little more dreary than usual to-night she was meditating upon all she had lost in love and ambition alike bankrupt of all the dreams that she had dreamed from her early visions of pomp and pleasure with some unknown being who should arise out of space like king cofetua at the right moment and lift her up to the high places of the earth to her later and more womanly dream of sweet sacrifices made for the man she loved and she had lost all of these much cherished dreams there had come no fulfilment and being older and wiser now and having lost the faculty of dreaming there was nothing left her but the dull realities of the waking world as represented by a trim little newly built villa in the boroughbridge road if i had been wiser i suppose i should have fallen back upon my old ideas of life when malcolm ford flung me off and married lord paulyn she thought a word would have brought him back to me but now even that miserable alternative is lost and there's nothing left for me but life for ever and ever shut up in this narrow den with my sisters i might go and live with aunt chevenix certainly but that would be just a little worse i have lost all taste for the kind of society my aunt is so fond of and i should have less liberty there than i have here she thought a good deal about lord paulyn that night not so much of him individually as of all that he could have given her the grandeur the independence the power that strong wine of pleasure which if not happiness was at least intoxication that ideal existence among beautiful scenes or surrounded with all the graces of art and luxury the very dream of which had been fair enough to brighten her life in days gone by he had offered her all these things and she had rejected them without a pang for the love of malcolm ford and how noble a return he made me for my constancy she thought bitterly with more anger against her lost lover than she had felt for a long time after this she thought very often about the brilliant position she had rejected and for the first time thought of it with a vague regret it was in her nature to hold a treasure lightly so long as it lay at her feet and to appreciate it when it was lost to her she had scorned the idea of a marriage with lord paulyn while that faithful admirer had shown himself eager and devoted she wondered a little at her own foolishness now that he was about to unite himself with someone else 
there may have been more excuse perhaps for these sordid thoughts in the joylessness of her present existence her life was so utterly barren every morning the beginning of a day which must needs be the repetition of yesterday the to-morrows stretching before her blank as the pages of an unused memorandum book it is true that she might have occupied herself like gertrude in visiting the sick and poor since she was gifted with the power of winning their confidence and even their affection but she avoided this natural source of lonely spinsterhood with an obstinate aversion what go among these people whom she had served for his sake ally herself with the last new curate a pale-faced slip of a man with sandy whiskers descend to all the trivialities of the district visiting community now that his godlike form no longer moved among that common herd this was what she could not do even the grave old churches in which she had sat from her youth upwards were distasteful to her their aspect reminded her too keenly of all she had lost the good harmless father the lover she had loved so madly she seemed to hear the echo of voices that sounded in those stony aisles no more the new vicar was a pompous red-faced man who very rarely fatigued himself with the litany or lessons and who read the communion service in a fat voice as if he had taken the ten commandments under his especial protection and preached sermons on abstruse doctrinal points over the heads of his flock the vicar's wife was young and fashionable and put the simple hawley folks to shame by the elegance of her attire she had essayed to patronise the miss lutterells and had told them about the changes she meant to make by and by in that dreadful barn the vicarage and had congratulated them on their transference from that ancient tenement to a modern habitation diana and this lady got on very well together but between the vicaress and elizabeth there prevailed a quiet antipathy it was doubtless her own fault that elizabeth was lonely her sisters had their little batches of dear friends and visited a good deal in a quiet way soon after their father's death and entertained their acquaintance with afternoon tea but elizabeth's soul rebelled against this humdrum sociality her footsteps refused to tread this beaten track of everyday provincial life she preferred lonely wanderings in the very teeth of january's north-easters on the common and in the familiar lanes where she had walked so joyously with her lover in the brief sweet days of courtship if she had cherished the faintest hope of his return to her she might have been patient she might have endured the weariness of the present cheered by a fair vision of the future but she deluded herself with no such hope she had on the contrary a settled conviction that once having put his hand to the plough for malcolm ford there would be no turning back she had lured him for a little while out of his chosen path but having broken loose from her feeble snare he was the very last of men to return to the net he was always sorry that he loved me she thought and there was a look of rapture on his face when he preached his farewell sermon like the joy of a man who has escaped from a great peril they heard no more of lord paulyn's approaching marriage standing almost alone as far as hawley proper went in the proud privilege of the dowager's acquaintance 
but gertrude and diana were not slow to retail the news in their morning calls and five o'clock teas miss ramsay and her possessions were enlarged upon the husbands and brothers referred to as authorities upon the commercial world every one having his pet theory as to which ramsay was the great ramsay who had begun by wheeling barrows one party clinging tenaciously to a certain peter ramsay son and bilge proprietors of the famous red cross steam packet line and another pinning its faith to alexander ramsay the great contractor fashionable newspapers were watched but shed no light upon the subject nor did the local journals give tongue i don't believe there's a syllable of truth in the whole story exclaimed the outspoken blanche during one of these discussions from which elizabeth was absent i dare say it's all that nasty old woman's invention lord paulyn was desperately in love with my sister lizzie and made her ever so many offers and she wicked old thing wants us all to go and bury ourselves in some dead and alive belgian town where we should be driven mad by the carillon ringing every half hour from the rickety old church towers miss luttrell reproved her sister severely for the impropriety of these remarks and the company generally looked incredulous it was not to be supposed that any reasonable being would believe in elizabeth's rejection of the lord of ashcombe he might have hung about her a good deal compromising her by his attentions to the rupture of that foolish engagement with dear mr ford but to suppose that he had laid his coronet at her feet that he had said to her be mistress of ashcombe in devon and harbury castle in yorkshire the grange near newmarket and the old family mansion in st james square and that she had deliberately rejected him to believe this was too much for the imaginative power of hawley yet the day came before very long when the eyes of hawley were opened and the eyebrows of hawley lifted in surpassing wonder End of Book 3, Chapter 1